The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this July 13th, 2023, as we are... 51 days away from the kickoff of Auburn football. We're also just a few days away from SEC Media Days coming up next week in Nashville. So uh, lots to be excited about, lots to talk about here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He is Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7. As I mentioned, 51 days away from uh, the start of Auburn football. We are less than that from the start of college football. Uh, So excited to uh, continue to talk about that with the unofficial kickoff to football next week with SEC Media Days in Nashville. Uh, We will continue to talk about that uh, this today and tomorrow, and then it'll get started on Monday. Uh, but lots to talk about today. Uh, Carter, happy Thursday. Before we get into uh, the rundown, uh, happy Thursday, man. Yeah, happy Thursday. We uh, got a little rain this morning, but it's starting to clear up maybe. And it'll get hot once again. I, uh, I've i been so busy, I haven't even left the office today. Uh, but it's not just sunny and beating down heat, so maybe it's not as bad outside. Yeah, maybe, maybe, it's, uh, maybe we will see more um, sunny days and maybe not as hot Mm -hmm. as we start to wind down the summer i mean do you see that uh apparently july 3rd and 4th the world broke the the record for hottest day i did see that yeah the hottest days on average in the history of when they've been tracking it (laughs) yes like so uh yeah i did see that that they were like the two and it's like back to back right like two of the hottest days ever recorded so uh july 3rd set the record and then it got trumped again immediately there thereafter on july 4th well there you go the more you know i guess and maybe the global warming crowd has has an argument but uh hey well lots to talk about today uh when it comes to sports we have some auburn baseball news to talk about because we got some updates about some of the uh questions we had yesterday when it comes to guys who could be returning uh to plainsman park and to play for butch thompson also auburn picks up a transfer portal edition for baseball as well so we'll talk about that uh, we have question of the day. Then excited because at 2.30, Daryl Dapperich will join us, who appears on Locked on Auburn with Zach Blackerby quite a bit. Uh, excited to uh, have him on the show once again. That'll be at 2.30, talking all things Auburn athletics, including a preview of what we could hear next week at SEC Media Days. Then coming up in hour number two, uh, talking about the coaching carousel question mark that's happening at Northwestern right now and uh, who could take that job, some of the names that Auburn fans will be very well, familiar with. Somebody put out that they would be willing to be the coach and it's worthy of discussing. It is, because there's also <laughs> another thing that he said to where he was said nobody reached out and he is 
done coaching. So interested to talk about that coming up to start hour number two. Then it's Thursday at 3.30, which means Chris Gordy, host of Locked on SEC. He will join us to preview some more SEC media days as well. So great show on tap for you today. Outside of the guest, phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you on the phone lines. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. Comments, questions, concerns, get to us. Call us 334-321-1390. Carter, let's jump into it. Talking Auburn baseball to start off the show today. The question marks about who would return for Auburn baseball, two guys that were not drafted by Major League Baseball teams, Joseph Gonzalez and Bobby Pierce. We were um, wondering if they were going to come back. We had some word that they might, but there was no confirmation. There is now confirmation that both Bobby Pierce and Joseph Gonzalez will return to the Plains and play for Auburn baseball in 2024. Yeah, and that's huge. That is so big for this uh, Auburn pitching staff that that needed that needed to bring back some experience because that lineup has to turn over because just because of who all was going out the door, and you need to add some more pop at the uh, middle infield position. Your center fielder's gone. Your shortstop's gone. Your third baseman's gone. Uh, it feels right now like we are going to see. Um, Cooper McMurray back because we haven't seen him sign anywhere, I don't believe, at least at last check. Given that, you have some pieces. You've got a deep outfield now with Bobby Pierce coming back, but Joseph Gonzalez, your Friday night guy, assuming he's healthy, is locked in because he's been that good as a freshman he kind of learned the ropes, pitched in 21 games, a 6.17 ERA, 42 and a third innings, uh, was a low walk guy, didn't have overwhelming strikeouts, uh, kind of got hit around some, but it was 2022 where we really saw him take off, especially as the season got going, he got better, mm-hmm. throwing that sinker, just being a challenging uh, guy to for this for opponents to really get solid contact off. 78 and a third innings uh, in 2022 was 7-4 with a 3-2-2 ERA. Uh, I mean, he threw a complete game, 54 strikeouts, 6 walks. The batting average against him dropped by 27 points. Uh, He got better. And then we only got to see that one outing out of him this past year where he goes 5 innings. He pitches something like 40, 45 pitches in those five innings. Like, remarkably efficient. Uh, Gets the win, and we never saw him again. We never saw him again because of the shoulder and injuries. And for a while, we didn't think we would see him again. Right. We thought he'd be going pro. But to have him back, you got to feel really good about this staff right now because you've got Gonzalez, awesome. Herbert Holes, Cannon, Armstrong, your best two bullpen arms. Uh, You're bringing in some guys who can compete for uh, one of those starting spots as well. Zach Crotchfelt, Drew Nelson, Hayden Murphy, your three best freshman arms are all back right now, it appears. Uh, You go get the UAB transfer, Carson Myers, a left-handed pitcher who can compete for one of those three starting spots. And you also have uh, Tilly and Watts, two of the draft guys, 
that will be reporting to to campus this pitching staff is going to be great. It's going to be really, really good. And the thing about Gonzo that I am excited about, that I agree with, is when the news came out, what, yesterday afternoon, pretty much when we were off the air, um, that he was coming back, the narrative seems to be for Joseph Gonzalez, he has something to prove. And I think that is 100% accurate. I think he would tell you that. I think anybody that's covered him would tell you that. Anybody that talks about him like we do would tell you that. He is a really, really good pitcher. And he is going to be your Friday night guy for Auburn baseball. The injury obviously limited him very, very much. And for somebody that's as good as he is and has the mentality that he does to be as dominant as he is, you better believe he has something to prove. And you better believe he wants to come back to Auburn, stay healthy, of course, and prove it to the entire country on just how good he is. And so I think not getting drafted and and in the injury all played a factors in that. And I'm excited that he will be coming back to Auburn because you, all of the guys you just mentioned, plus him coming back, Auburn's going to have some of the best pitching staff in the entire SEC, if you ask me. I think that is a legitimate conversation to be had when you talk about the pitching staff for Auburn, where it would rank in the SEC for 2024. Yeah, I'm, I, man, I'm, I'm reading up on just talking to people about how Auburn plans to attack this going into this next season. I think it's, it's going to be a team that may not be crazy highly rated, ranked going into the year. Uh, but I think you've got a top three pitching staff in the SEC. Uh, I think you've you've got uh, some JUCO guys who will also help out. Uh, Con- Connor McBride is somebody that uh, our buddy Jack Hudden mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're going to look to address the infield a little bit more because um, they continue to add pieces, losing Mongelli to the Dodgers in the 10th round of the draft. Well... We've seen Auburn go land a guy since then. Javon Hernandez, uh, he committed to Auburn today. The J, uh, the Jacksonville State second baseman, mm-hmm. he's a small guy now. He's small, 5'7", 165, uh, which means he's probably 5'6", uh, or 5'5". Five, Are five, you eight. saying they skew those? <laughs> well, they, they, <laughs> they measure him in really tall shoes. That's what it is. As long as he's playing in them. But but uh, he hit 397 last year with seven home runs, 49 RBI, uh, 59 runs. Um, was somebody? I think he was 11 of 12 uh, stealing bags. He's somebody who I think can come in and immediately compete for that second base job because uh, somebody needs to push Caden Green because you have to have somebody hit better than 211. No doubt about uh, it. And no doubt. And last year Auburn didn't have anybody else that could they could plug in. Uh, we saw them. We saw Wortham get pinch hit at bats. We saw Brody Moss get pinch hit at bats. But I think Wortham was uh, was hitting like 200. Um, but I think this continuing to add pieces to compete for the middle infield uh, and that third base position. You've got the makings of what could be a very solid, probably above average offense paired with an elite pitching staff, which I think is a formula that could get this team to Omaha. 
And I think the feeling for Auburn right now is that they plan to pick up one or two more infielders through the transfer portal um, as long as it's the right fit and guys that would make them better. Uh, I think that's the feeling for Auburn right now. And then maybe another weekend starter if you can find the right guy. Um, With all of that being said, I think Auburn is going to be in a good spot, Auburn baseball that is, for next year for 2024. Uh, Yes, you lost quite a bit and you lost a couple of guys that were coming in via the high school ranks and the transfer portal but as we've mentioned the last couple of days butch thompson has prepared for that and you have to as a college baseball coach especially in today's game and so yes it hurts to not get those guys to never even step foot on campus but they've already done a good job all our baseball has at making up for that and I think there's still work to be done and I still think there will be things done for this team throughout the transfer portal I just I don't think they're done yeah no they they aren't done by a long shot and I think when the dust finally settles um, we're going to be sitting here talking about this having a chance to be the best or second best Butch Thompson team just because of, I believe in that pitching staff so okay. much right now. Okay. Um, I think you're going to get whoever catches. You're going to get more consistent pop out of the out of that spot. I think second base. You're going to get an upgrade there. Shortstop's going to be tough because Cole Foster's been so good. Auburn's been really good at shortstop mm-hmm. for a long time. Long, long time. Um, third base. You're probably not going to replicate what uh, you got out of Bryson Ware. But I think the outfield will be very strong. Stanfield, Pierce, you brought in some transfers. That group's going to be stout and deep. Uh, you have the options there. If this offense can come together, this is going to be a really, really, really good Auburn baseball team. That's the big question for me. Can you get – and it's not even just get guys that are hitting 400, right? You just want consistency one through nine because in baseball – if you can have a lineup one through nine that everybody is somewhat of a threat to be on base and get on base and have timely hits, those are the teams that win national championships. Look at what LSU just did. They could hit one through nine, and they won the national championship because of it when people didn't think they could after they dipped late in the year. It's because no matter who you pitch to on that LSU roster – they had a chance to get on base. They had a chance to take it yard. And they all had that clutch factor to them. And that's what made LSU so good. Florida was not quite there. And I think you saw that bite them in the in the final series. Whereas LSU had the pop in the bat one through nine. If Auburn can find that to an extent, it's hard to get nine guys who can hit consistently the entire year. But if you can get close to that, then Auburn's going to be yep. in really good shape because the pitching staff is going to have them in just about every single game they play next spring. Yeah, um, when I when I look at Auburn's lineups the past few years, they're when they're hot. There's not there hasn't been a hole a hole in the lineup. The issue has been that kind of that eight nine spot where you've seen um, some some holes. Whether it be, I think two years ago was kind of left field at times um last year was second base and then of course catcher two years ago and I was talking with some people about this yesterday actually like Nate LaRue great defensive catcher unbelievable arm just mm-hmm. nuclear rocket launcher of an arm like an arm that every catcher in the country is jealous of no matter what level um 
the bat was inconsistent. He hit right around 200 for the past two years. Uh, but two, year, two years ago, when that, on that Omaha team, when they got to the postseason, he got hot and it made that lineup very dangerous because he didn't make the most contact in the lineup. But when he made contact, there were home runs and doubles. Right. He did damage. And he, he was Extra more, base more consistent in that portion of the season. And when you got that production, you saw how hard or how difficult it was to beat this Auburn team. And that's how you saw that them run all the way to Omaha. And if they can find somebody who can be a good defensive defensive catcher but a consistent bat I'm not asking you to hit 300 and hit right. 15 to 20 home runs yeah I'm asking you to hit 270 280 just carry your and weight get, hit eight home runs just yeah. a little bit of extra pop at the at the bottom of the order a little more consistency consistency get on base for the mm-hmm. top of the order yep when you've got Stanfield and Ike Irish and Coop, Cooper McMurray those guys coming back if you can do that and you can find a second baseman who can hit um, hit <laughs> hit above his weight basically and and have somebody who can hit in the again 270s 280s because that's a 60 point jump from last year for Auburn at, at second base you better believe you can it. you can kind of moneyball your your losses of Cole Foster and Bryson Ware by getting more pop out of the catcher and the second base uh, position, you can kind of recreate it on on the whole of the lineup rather than saying, oh, wow, we got to go find a guy who can hit 360 and hit 24 bombs at third base. Right. You're not going to find that more than likely. You just rebalance it, reshift it, and make it look a little bit different mm-hmm. to make up for it. I'm 100% with you. Well, good news for Auburn is Joseph Gonzalez and Bobby Pierce both coming back for Auburn baseball. They also pick up a transfer portal addition today with Javon Hernandez uh, from Jacksonville State. And I don't think Auburn baseball is done in the transfer portal. But I think, when- I think you'll see one, two, three more mm-hmm. additions. Yeah, I, I think that's a, I think that's I think a good prediction. Be- all but guaranteed at least one more. I'm with you, 100%. Well, we'll see what Auburn does throughout the transfer portal and the rest of the summer, but when we come back, question of the day. We've got a little Auburn football news to talk about and how one position group on the defensive side of the ball looks a little bit different. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, question of the day here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. I mentioned to you right before we went to break that one position group on the Auburn football defense is going to look a little bit different, just a little bit slimmer, as uh, Demario Tolan is no longer with the football team. Uh, the transfer from LSU, who played his freshman season with the Tigers, and they transferred to play for Hugh Freeze in Auburn. Uh, he is no longer on the team and so Carter question to you and to our listeners 334-321-1390 what does the linebacker room look like now how does this affect the linebacker room now that DeMario Tolan no longer on the team well I mean it's unfortunate right now I mean he's somebody who I think is very very talented Um, I think there's 
some things that he's got to work through right now. And, I mean, obviously, I don't think necessarily the door is closed, maybe, for him to return at some point in time. It won't be this year uh, if he were to. But um, this this linebacker room, you know you've got Cam Riley. Mm -hmm. You know you've still got Austin Keys, the Ole Miss transfer. Larry Nixon, the North Texas transfer. I feel pretty good about those three. Robert Woodyard, I'd put him in that group as well. Robert Woodyard was the guy who the first half of spring, he was the most talked about linebacker of the group. And those four, I feel really good about a two deep on of a two linebacker set because I know technically there's three linebacker positions in modern college football. We've talked about it before. You're in, uh, you have a, a nickel on the field almost all the time. Yep. Which as a result, you have a two deep uh, of four linebackers there. And that's not including guys like Wesley Steiner, who apparently looked pretty good this spring. I'm kind of in the, I'll believe it when I see it on the field mindset with, with Wesley Steiner, because it just, to this point in his career, it feels like the game has always been a little too fast for him. He's a great athlete, and it's just, it feels like he either gets moving too fast in his mind and he misses an assignment or misses a tackle or something. Almost or, overthinking it. Or he's having to process it at times and he's a step late. Mm -hmm. I think back to the the 2021 uh, Penn State game oh, yep. where yep. Jacoby, there's the targeting, Jacoby gets kicked out of the game and it's a fourth and goal at the half-yard line and he just kind of got caught up in the in the wash, yep. and he was a step too late to get there to to prevent the touchdown. Zacoby would have gotten there and made that tackle, and that's kind of the the picture I have in my head of of Steiner to this point in his career. You have Eugene Asante who didn't play a bunch last year, but he's a great athlete. When he came in, they said, I mean, in the weight room. He kind of resembled Owen Papo, and Owen Papo is a freak athlete. You better believe uh, it. We know that there's some other names there that maybe could emerge. Uh, could you see a guy uh, like Sylvester Smith, who's a really big safety? Could you see him come and play a small linebacker role? Or like, a, and you've got Zion Puckett. Who's yeah, a two hundred and thirty pound safety or whatever he's at right now. Whatever they say he uh, is, yeah, he's he massive. is enormous. He is enormous. Um, I think part of that's he's he's had all those surgeries where I think he's been able to just lift so much uh, after surgery and maybe not do as much conditioning mm -hmm. and stuff uh, that he's just gotten really big. I mean, he's listed at six foot uh, two twenty six. I'm trying to look at uh, Sylvester Smith because. He was somebody who, when he came in, maybe it wasn't Smith. It was one of the freshman safeties in this past class um, was really, really big. And there was a theory out there. Could he grow into a linebacker position? Maybe. But I, I think that you've got enough bodies that you can figure out the linebacker position. And I think you're going to be fine. I don't know if you're necessarily going to be elite. I think you're going to be good with Larry Nixon, Austin Keys, Robert Woodyard, 
uh, and Cam Riley. Cam Riley has to stay healthy, man. Yes. We, we've seen glimpses where he looks really, really good, but then he gets banged up and he kind of disappears like he did last year. That group's got to stay healthy, but you have the bodies there to be okay. I'm with you. I think ditto pretty much everything you just said. Um, it, it really is for me, Cam man. Riley is enormous, by the way. Have you have you seen what he's list, listed out on the roster? Is it updated? Uh, yeah, they they updated him the the other day. They even have like the the transfers like Jair Shorter uh, right here, number fourteen at six two two oh nine. Um, I think he's gonna have a huge year. By the way, mm-hmm. Cam Riley's listed at six five two forty two. Good lord, he's all get out of the way, <laughs> get out of the way. Um, if you if he's running at you, bro, he's already bigger than Dylan Brooks was his entire Auburn career before yeah. he transferred. If he, if you are running and he's coming at you, just go down. It's not worth it, man. Just go down. Um, also is enormous yes we talked about that when we He's went and saw six, him six two eighty eight right now on the roster as a freshman dn uh edge as a freshman as in a college jack. man freshman in college he's so big and he's so he has the lower body that you look at and you're like that dude is strong he has the biggest legs on the defensive line how many people have we said that about on this auburn team it's been a lot. It's been a well, lot. The, there's so much more beef on this team, especially in the front seven on defense. You're huge now. Which is going to help you compete in the SEC West. We'll talk to Daryl Dapperich about this, plus previewing SEC Media Days coming up. Don't turn that radio dial. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. And Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins, and we are joined by Daryl Daprich on the phone lines. Uh, very, uh, uh, very thankful for him taking some time and joining us this afternoon. You can hear him on uh, many, many a time on Locked on Auburn with Zach Blackerby. Uh, he just gives some of the best takes when it comes to Auburn athletics. And so, Daryl, we appreciate your time, man. Hope you're doing well on this Thursday afternoon. Man, you're too kind. Well, I appreciate being on with you guys. Thank you for the nice introduction there. Well, let's go ahead and jump into uh, lots of things to talk about this afternoon. Uh, we will go ahead and preview what's coming up next week, the big event. Not sure if you've heard of it, but uh, SEC Media Days will be in Nashville next week, and uh, all the head coaches will be there. Of course, Auburn bringing three uh, senior players with them. Uh, we'll talk about those players in just a second, but want to go ahead and ask you, what are your expectations from Hugh Freeze and the players at SEC Media Days next Next week, of course, Hugh Freeze in his first year at Auburn representing the Tigers in Nashville. You know, this will be my third SEC Media Days. It'll be the first covering it solely kind of with an Auburn slant. The last two years I covered it for ESPN The Ticket with Doug Amos. And, you know, it was kind of just SEC sports. We focused on a lot of different uh, schools and mm-hmm. teams. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it just being kind of an Auburn situation and focusing on uh, the, the Hugh Freeze uh you know, sidebar, I think what I'm looking forward to the most is seeing how he handles himself at the podium because I just suspect that there is going to be somebody, some clown in the media from another school, probably from the state of Mississippi, if I had to guess, <laughs> is going to try to make things very difficult for Hugh Freeze when he gets up at the podium when they open it up for questions. And we all know the questions that are coming. I mean, this will be his first SEC media day since 
all that happened at Ole Miss. So I think that there's a faction of, of folks that, that really, and even some from an Auburn perspective, um, that really still have it in for Hugh Freeze, uh, want to take shots at him. So I am really looking forward to how he handles that and the grace, I think, and the, the charisma that he will. Uh, hopefully it doesn't get to that. Hopefully it doesn't become a mm-hmm. sideshow and the questions are about football. But, guys, I'm just being transparent. I just am afraid that it's going to kind of just go down into that cesspool and there's going to be a few that are going to want to go down that path. From a football standpoint, uh, I really just want to ha- hear him talk about culture. I get really um, enamored and, and really locked in when I hear him talk about things that have to do with, you know, family and, you know, leadership and some of those things we've seen a little peek behind the curtain uh, with some videos when he talks about opportunities and life and some things like that. So if he's able to carry that to the podium, I think that'll be good. I'm looking forward to hearing that. I hope it just does not, uh, you know, take sideways into some things it doesn't need to. When you look at Hugh Freeze and the three reps that Auburn has going, uh, Cam Stutz, Luke Deal, and uh, Elijah McAllister, what are you hoping to hear from them specifically as we gear up for this 2023 season? I'm shocked, to be honest with you. I was a little bit surprised as the three representatives. I'm not downplaying that. I trust Hugh Freeze. I trust his coaching staff. There's a reason he chose all three. Zach and I did a show where we tried to guess. Um, Zach was one of three. I was 0 for 3, took the big donut. I had no, I absolutely was wrong with my choices. But there's got to be a method to the madness. Uh, leadership, maybe some things in the offseason, maybe some things off the field. Um, I think with Deal, I'm really interested to see with the addition of Fairweather into the tight end room, how that's going to look differently. You know, last year, Will Friend implemented some three tight end packages late in the season after Harson uh, got fired. And I really think Auburn ran really effectively out of that. I mean, especially against A&M, shredded Texas A&M, shredded Western Kentucky, ran. Alabama gave up the most yards they had under Nick Saban, I think, from a, from a rushing standpoint. Now, a lot of that was due to Robbie Ashford and plays breaking down. But Auburn ran the ball really, really good out of that three tight end set. They've got pass catchers now. Yeah. They did last year with Shanker, but Fairweather's a guy that's going to go down the seam, you know, and, and get some catch. So I, I wonder if they're still going to run that. They may not, guys, because Auburn's offensive line is so much improved. I think they ran that last year out of necessity to get some hats on yeah. hats, and we'll see. I want McAllister from an edge standpoint. I'm really interested to hear how what Ron Roberts' defense does to create chaos and havoc. McAllister being an edge or the Jack, and then Stutz. You know, he's he's likely going to be penciled in, I, I guess, as the starting guard. And, and what he feels like, the offensive line, the cohesiveness, are they meshing? You got four or five dudes that have just transfer portal guys, four of which may start, maybe three. Um, and so there's a lot of meshing that has to take place there. Yeah, with with Cam Stutz going, that's something that we had talked about, Daryl, was, was basically is this a – is this Hugh Freeze telling us that he is going to be one of those starters up front? And it seems like that's the case. I've heard on a separate, like, like I, when we did that podcast, Zach and I, I, I really cautioned the listeners, don't read too much into the fact that Stutz is being taken, pencils him as a starter because of the Luke Deal situation, right? Say, I think Fairweather's your tight end. But on a separate conversation with separate sources that Zach reached out to, 
he is being told as well that Stutz is the starter. Uh, say that real fast. Be careful when you do. Stutz is the starter. Uh, when, when he, he, he is being told that that's the case right now as well. So it's not just because he's being brought to SEC media days that you could make that leap or make that assumption. We're hearing through some back channels that Hugh Freeze really likes him. I do know this. I went back and, and, and looked at some things from A-Day. I, I was covering that in the press box. It was so hard because how nasty the weather was and all that. I think Stutz was lined up against Justin Rogers and did a really good job of handling him. If that's the case, and it's not due to weather, that Rogers couldn't get off the ball, that's that speaks volumes for Stutz, and I may have underestimated him. And, Daryl, another factor I think that you have to consider with who a team brings to SEC Media Days, it's something that fans may not think a whole lot about, is their actual media presence, right? You talked about earlier how Hugh Freeze, he's going to get the heat when it comes to being questioned. You have to take players that are going to represent your university well and are comfortable with sitting in front of a microphone and answering any possible question that comes their way. You know, McAllister is made for this. I'll just be honest. I, I did not think Hugh Freeze was going to take anybody to SEC Media Days that was a, a transfer portal kid. It, it just didn't make sense to me because you would want somebody that was already was an Auburn letterman, played a year in the orange and blue, somebody that's never even played a down for Auburn representing your school is a strange take. But when you hear Elijah McAllister speak, it becomes very careful, very evident why. No doubt. Very polished, very well-spoken very articulate, smart as can be. He's going to be very good for some sound bites uh, in Nashville, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And looking at the defensive side, we got the news here in the past 24 hours that Demario Tolan is no longer with the Auburn football team. How does that affect that linebacker position that before they went and got Tolan and Keys and Nixon via the portal, there were some serious holes and concerns there. Are you worried at all with Tolan no longer being with, with the team? I'm not, and I think it's because when, I, when we went into this whole exercise, as everyone's doing rating position groups and trying to predict depth charts is what you do, and there's really nothing else to talk about in the slow time, we talked about this, and I, and I went through and listed six guys that I felt like would be competing for – that, that inside linebacker, middle linebacker position, and I left Tolan off. And This was before all of this came to light, and I think I left him off because we had not heard anything about him for months from the coaching staff, from the other players, you know, behind the scenes, not my place. It comes to light as to why, it, it, you know, probably come out later. But the bottom line is the fact of the matter is I didn't have him kind of penciled in behind Keys or Woodyard or – Steiner or Riley or Larry Nixon. Some of these guys, in my opinion, just emerged uh, and went ahead of him. And so I still think Auburn's pretty good from that inside linebacker position, probably going five or six deep right now. And that's what you need. I think a lot, all six, in my opinion, will play a lot early. And I know that sounds strange that that many linebackers will get shuffled in and off. But I think that'll happen until they establish who the two or three dudes are that they're going to roll with. I feel like Keys and Nixon have emerged, but you know, don't sleep on Woodyard or Cam Riley or Steiner, and I don't know if I'm leaving anybody out, but those are, oh, Eugene Asante. I mean, you know, that this is a kid last year that was under the radar. He had some issues, some family issues, and just stuck it out, but I'm hearing good things about him. So there's six that could fill that gap, fill that void, so I still think Auburn's in a good place because of the portal with, with uh, linebacker. 
Daryl Dapperts joining us here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, common contributor for Locked on Auburn. Daryl, how refreshing is it to talk about depth at the linebacker position, a mm-hmm. thing that we could not even dream of talking about this time last year? Scared the linebacker position, besides offensive line, uh, going into December and January, like when the season ended, and you knew there was a signing class and there was a transfer two transfer portal windows, was very, very concerning. I didn't know if they were going to have the bodies to, to, to really play, you know, linebackers too deep that, that had the experience and were seasoned. And then Hugh Freeze and, and staff do a great job with filling the holes on the offensive line, giving a true too deep scenario. And now they've done the same thing with linebacker. It is great to hear uh, about the depth at linebacker. And, you know, that's without anybody having to move from safety and play that star position and whatever, you know, all that. I mean, a true thumper. At linebacker, a guy like Nixon, Larry Nixon the third, who can tackle is two thirty, two forty, will track you down and lay the wood to you. Keys, who could probably fill out a little bit, but is so stinking athletic. You know, it's just it's nice to hear. Then then you've got the the the, the McLeod, the Jack, and McAllister, and I don't know if Falk's going to stay as a Jack and an edge or move into the defensive end position because of size. But yeah, it's 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 really nice to to hear that and to 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 see how that's going to play out from a depth chart standpoint. Daryl, we've seen Auburn slowly build some momentum on the recruiting trail. There's the potential announcement, uh, the commitment of Jalen Crawford this weekend, and we know there's Big Cat weekend coming at the end of the month. Just how big can this month be, and how high can this Auburn class go? July was always kind of earmarked as the month that Auburn could possibly get five or six recruits to commit. And to pop, and I think we've seen what one or two already. Uh, Crawford might make three. The big dogs still, the Riddicks, the Perry Thompsons, a couple offensive linemen, mm-hmm. um, DJ. You know the the the, the Bolden kid or Holt. All those still are out there. But I think if it goes the way I think the Auburn coaching staff feels like it could, and some of these guys that follow recruiting for a living and crystal ball. And I know you know it's not a perfect science. If it does, and Auburn's able to get four or five more in this month, in in July, it could ra- it could take the class from where it is now to, you know, sixteenth, seventeenth easily. Now that depends on what, you know, on threes already got Auburn at twenty, uh, but the composites and rivals and ESPN and some of those others, it could make a significant move and move the needle if they get five or six more kids. Because in that five or six, you potentially could have two five stars. That moves mm-hmm. the needle in itself. And then, as we know, in the flawed star system or recruiting rankings, in my opinion, which drives me crazy, if you have 20 commits and they're all three stars, you're rated higher than a class of a, of, of a 12 that's four stars. I look at the average. Auburn's average yeah. is really good and could only increase if July turns out like it should. Yeah, it seems like more times than not, it's it, in the rankings, it's about the number of guys you have rather than the quality of guys you have. But I'm with you. I mean, I, I, and, you know, you want numbers, sure, but you definitely want the, the quality players more than the quantity, right? Give me 20 in this class that average about .90 as opposed to 25 that average .86, .87, and I'd be happy all day long. Because I, I don't care where that throws you in a composite ranking. You get 20 bodies that are that quality, and then you can fill in spots now and needs with the portal, not as heavily as you've had to the last two years, and you absolutely could turn in and have a dynamic roster. And so, that you know, I, I look at that 
rather than just, you know, people that signed 26, 27. You look at the average, you know, composite stars, like 0.83. I'm not, that doesn't float my boat at all. Daryl, it's good to hear that you will be in Nashville next week for SEC Media Day. So I have to find a uh, a day and time for you to stop by the table and talk to us. I'll be there representing our show. Dan will be there for the drive. Doug will obviously be there for the Max Roundtable. One more question before we let you get out of here. For Auburn and Hugh Freeze, what would a successful SEC Media Day sound like in your opinion? Hmm, great question. Um, if 90% of the focus talk, questions, and um, analysis stayed on the field and talked about the, the, the positive things like flipping the roster, receiving room, offensive line room, you know, if it, it, that kind of thing to where how he – what a great job he did in roster reconstruction and salvaging that recruiting class. If the, if the, if the status and the focus stays on that, it will be a very successful SEC Media Days. And I would love to come by – and visit with you guys. Be glad to do it. We'll make it happen. All right, man. We'll be in talks about it. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything that you do, and especially with Zach and Locked On Auburn. Yeah, I am a, a weekly contributor now with Zach. Most of the time, it's, it's you know it depends with their Wednesday, sometimes a Friday. It just depends with sometimes Locked On Auburn twice, wherever right? you get. Yeah, I actually last week people were so tired of seeing me. I, I know they were. <laughs> I, I felt bad for Zach's listeners and. Uh, and viewers, because I think I was on four times because of certain different things. But, yeah, you can catch me with Locked on Auburn. And then I'm on Monday mornings with uh, Ben Taylor at 710 on WANI. We do a little breakdown, a little Double D Mondays. There you go. Well, man, again, we'll be in talks with you and looking forward to seeing you next week in Nashville. Thanks, guys. Take care. That is Daryl Dapperich again, a weekly contributor now for Locked on Auburn with Zach Blackerby. We appreciate him and his time on this Thursday afternoon. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. Talk a little Major League Baseball as we get through hour number one. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, a few more minutes left here in our number one on the Thursday edition of On the Line. We appreciate Daryl Dapritz joining us on the phone lines, giving us a few minutes talking Auburn football, a lot of Auburn football, uh, with the news of DeMario Tolan with SEC Media Days coming up next week. And uh, the goal will be to have him stop by the table and, and hop on the show for a few minutes next week, maybe after Auburn's Day, hopefully maybe on Tuesday or something, get him on and talk about how uh, SEC Media Days goes. And I, I tend to agree with him, asking him what a successful media days would sound like uh, for Hugh Freeze and I think he put it best I think if you can get 90% or more of the questions and the focus from the media to be on actual Auburn football and what the season is going to be like rather than the past of Hugh Freeze uh, I think that's spot on from Daryl on on what a successful media day would sound like and we'll talk some about this too but I think he's spot on yeah and well I'll be honest Auburn's not going to be the most talked about team when we're talking about off the field stuff at media days. Unfortunately, there's going to be multiple teams that are talking about off field stuff. Yeah, well, you've you've got Georgia, who has all the speeding things, and we've now we're now seeing the uh, former staffer that's that's suing yeah. the university and uh, Jalen Carter. I mean, that's going to get brought up in some capacity. Kirby Smart's going to have to give answers for that. Um, yeah, I mean, this is – I think that Georgia's probably going to be the most talked about team in terms of off-the-field 
topics. Which is not where you want to be if you're back-to-back national yeah. champs. That's the, the, this doesn't happen. Right. You don't have a national championship caliber program be this talked about with off the field issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because last year at SEC Media Days, uh, we uh, we were there. I know, obviously, you weren't with us yet, but um, it was Georgia Day was the most anticipated day because a they were coming off their first national championship in what seemed to be forever, uh, and then b it was in Atlanta, and so that those things combined, it was just a really really big day for Kirby Smart and Georgia at SEC Media Days. It'll be a little bit different this year being in Nashville, but yeah, you're right with all the off field stuff with them. You have to think that's going to be the focus more than hey, how do you three peat as national champions in college football? Yeah, I. I mean, as we, we talked with Jordan yesterday, I think he's 100% right. They're going to be the favorite out of the East. They're going to get picked to win the East. Maybe Tennessee can give them a run. I mean, maybe Rattler or Leary just goes nuclear the whole year and gives them a run. But I, like in terms of just raw talent in that side of the conference, Tennessee is the only one that I think has any mm-hmm. chance. Yeah. To compete with with Georgia, barring a remarkable quarterback performance this year in 2023 by by Kentucky or South Carolina. Um, now, when you talk about winning the entire SEC, Georgia's probably going to have the most picks because Alabama and LSU are going to be split out of the West. Mm-hmm. But I think I think LSU might be might be a sneaky pick for for a lot of people very well could be and i think georgia will get the most votes to win the conference next week i think that's what the easy money would tell you to do uh but i think lsu is going to get some votes next week i think tennessee and alabama will get some significant votes as well uh so excited to see what that's going to look like we'll talk some more about that coming up in hour number two with chris gordy host of locked on sec he'll join us at 3 30 talking about sec media days plus we'll talk some baseball oh we got a lot to talk about coming up in our number two plus general college football news when regarding northwestern who could be the new coach we'll talk about all that coming up in our number two the following is an auburn network production Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Armored up like us, sports leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast, uh, uh, ESPNAU.com, or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we talked about Auburn baseball a little bit in hour number one with a couple of big guys coming back. Uh, Auburn also picked up a 
name through the transfer portal Auburn baseball that did and so uh, we talked about that a little bit and then Daryl Japich joined us in our number one of Locked on Auburn uh, he joined us talking about Auburn football the news of Demario Tolan the linebacker no longer being on the team uh, and then also talking and previewing SEC media days and so if you missed any of that again just go catch up with the podcast ESPNAU.com but coming up here in hour number two about to get to the phone lines they are open 334-321-1390 then we will uh, talk a little college football news plus Chris Gordy host of Locked on SCC he will join us at 330 so excited to have him join us as well but let's get to the phone lines 334-321-1390 Ed you're on the line man what's up uh doing all right guys how y'all doing doing good uh, uh, I, I was just going to mention a couple of things. First off, on Daryl's, uh, I, I have enjoyed uh, kind of getting to hear him and watch him, you know, on uh, Zach's podcast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I look forward to watching him. I just want to let him know I, I really enjoy, you know, he, he's a smart guy. Oh, yeah, he, he, does oh, a, yeah. he does a fantastic job. He, he, he's, one of the, he's one of the best in the business around this town. He, yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. And, and uh, I, I was going to tell you, uh, uh, I, I was watching uh, one thing I was going to mention real quick, and then I'll get to the other one. But, uh, you, you know, in the summer, you, you get all these little quick little stories on all the players, you mm-hmm. know. And, and there was one that came on Brian. But is it Batty or Batty? Or Batty. Batty. Batty, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'd already read it, but I, I mean, I'd read a lot about him, but I read it and I, I went to YouTube and watched and, and you know what they say, just looking through some highlights and stuff like that. And it, it, he is, man, I would hate to play against him in any sport, oh, yeah. basketball <laughs> or anything, because he can just kind of move and yep. You know, you trying to guard him, he's coming down in basketball or something, he's a guy that's gonna get around you. He's gonna out physical you, oh. there's no doubt about it. I, I just think that I think that he's somebody who's being just extremely slept on coming into this year. People I think look at him his size and say, Oh, he's gonna be Sean Shivers. I think he's more versatile than Sean Sean Shivers ever was. Yeah, I I, I mean i just watching his highlights and stuff. Now, the one thing I will tell you that you'll notice on him, that if you, if you watch the highlights, and uh, I know he's run back a lot of, uh, well, a lot for anybody, you know, uh, kickoff returns, yeah, you mm-hmm. know, touchdowns and stuff. But he can be caught from behind. He doesn't have the. If you watch his highlights, uh, there's one of them that, you know, I mean, he 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 doesn't have. Like four two four three speed or anything, but he he can get you ten fifteen yards in a heartbeat. Yeah, well, Ed, I don't know if you saw today, but he was announced as a preseason All American for all purpose special teams. I, I did not see that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's great. You know, I, I know. I think last year for, for their conference, you know, that he came out of, I think he was, you know recognized for special team work. But the, the other thing I was going to mention real quick, and I'll hang up, uh, but, but uh, y- y'all were talking about, and I'm sure there will and should be, you know, questions with uh, Kirby about, you know, uh, the speed and everything. Uh, yeah. 
but do you think anybody's going to have the gumption to ask uh, Nick Saban about Tony Mitchell? Hmm. I mean, somebody may ask. I, I, I it's, I believe, um, to, I mean, Tony Mitchell has probably made his way out of whatever doghouse he he was in, just because it's been, I mean, it's been but, but, several but, months. But, but, but I mean, this is a guy that's already living on campus. Yeah, I mean, he, he's already moved to Tuscaloosa. Yeah, he he's so on the team, whatever, and he gets caught. You know, running from the police twice with, uh, you know, like a pound of weed, $7,000, a gun, and, and and that's not as bad as, you know, getting out and, and speeding with your friend, you know, street racing. I think it's, I think it's far worse. Well, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a good situation at all. I think when you compare it to anything but, going but, on, but, at, no. anything going on at Georgia, I mean, there was the accident that took the life of a staffer and a player at Georgia. I think that most people will like that's what they think of when they think about the the street racing stuff going on at at Georgia. Yeah, yeah, and and I think they've had two or three other guys, you know, uh, that have been, you know, arrested for speeding. I think and, they've had like eleven. I think it's been a lot. They've like had like eleven instances yeah. or something. <laughs> They need to get a dead gun trooper in there and put them through a defensive driving class or something. But I, I don't know. But I, I just, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying it's worse because, but I mean, mm-hmm. the two, the two people that were, you know, when the guy got killed, you know, when the person got killed, uh, you know, that was two people out street racing. This other guy, you know. Uh, and I don't know that I'm sure he's probably run some stadium steps or something, but uh, you know, I, I, it's just it's not just that at Alabama. Can you can you imagine? Uh, I, I mean, and we're talk, you were talking about media days, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. but I'm just to expand just for a second. Yeah, you look at what happened with the basketball program. You know, with you got uh, wound up, I think three guys. Out at two thirty in the morning, one guy taking you know a gun to a guy that create it caused a murder, uh, and, and something else happened with another recruit they had not long after that with a gun on camp. Yeah, it was a transfer. It was a transfer, and I yeah. think they they dropped him pretty much immediately after that that arrest yeah. happened. Yeah, and then you have got your uh, head bas- baseball coach. You know, involved in gambling with a hundred. Yeah, I mean. Oh yeah. That's if that was any other school than Alabama, I can't imagine. I I just can't understand people just kind of. Well, you know. Right. Right. Well, and 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 I think Ed, I think it's fair to to assume that Saban will get some sort of questioning about that stuff just because a of who he is and some of those incidents being with the football program, but b because we all know that Saban has a and there's nothing against this, whatever, but he has a big say on what happens in that athletic department, and he, I, I would almost guarantee you, Ed, that he will get some form of question on whether there is a problem within the athletics department when it comes to the the coaches there or the discipline or whatever it may From be. From a PR perspective, this has been the worst ten months yeah. at Alabama just with that athletic department because they they had a. 
uh, deputy athletic athletic director or assistant athletic di- director get arrested for some sort of domestic uh, dispute thing. Yeah. I I don't have it in front of me, so I'm not gonna say exactly what it is. But um, they they've had all sorts of issues throughout that athletic department yeah. over the last ten months, and we haven't seen that since Saban's been there. Uh, and uh, I mean, uh, I, I know you guys are much younger than me, but you, you, let's just say in the 80s, the 90s, the NCAA, was to have them on your campus was like, you know, okay, the Russians have taken over. Right, it, wasn't, it was not a good thing when they showed up. Yeah, uh, and uh, they would be, Alabama's program would be in so, but NCAA is pretty much, I mean, I don't even really know what they're doing except for running a basketball tournament. You know, I don't think they enforce much of anything. Nah, nobody they, re- nobody really knows what they do. Ed. They put out that yeah. that statement about NIL about how like you better adhere to our our rules and not your state law. And A and M pretty much immediately was like, "We're going to do it by the state law," and basically dared them come and yeah. try and get us and. I'm not sure they're going to be able to. I, I, I know it. I, I, anyway, guys, I, I appreciate you taking, you know, listening to me. And, yeah, of uh, course. Opinions. Appreciate Take it. Yep. yep, good to hear from you. It's been a while, so we are appreciative of you always calling in and giving your thoughts and opinions. 334-321-1390. He brings up a, a few good points, and I think to, to loop back to what my answer was, I think Saban will get some form of question next week in Nashville of of – the problems that have arose and have happened within the Alabama athletic department. Now, I will say that my experience, my short experience of Nick Saban one-on-one and and, in the media, but just seeing him in general, he's going to shut those down very quickly. Um, He will answer it, but he will answer one question and one question only that doesn't regard the upcoming season, the players on his team right now, and, and what's coming up in 2023. He's just, that's just who he is. So whoever gets the question in, good luck, and we'll yeah. see what he says. I mean, I think when you – I mean, for me, I I point back to the first incident that kicked off all of these cascading domino effect, it feels like. Knoxville, Tennessee. Jermaine Burton. And, the, like, I, we still don't have answers on what went down there. We have vague comments by, by – Saban in the media, uh, and maybe uh, some random Twitter accounts uh, protecting a player before it got dismantled. That was a fun day here on the show. Random, uh, yeah. Real emphasis around <laughs> random. Uh, but yeah, like I don't know why that has that went so unanswered, and that was the first event for me. And then ever since, it's just been like. They can't go longer than about a month or two without some negative PR. We haven't even talked about the story that came out on the depth of the baseball yeah. uh, scandal. Well, and that's just the- so... It's so dumb. Well, that's the problem is they can't get out of their own way over the past 10 to 12 months because once something begins to sort of fade out of media light, media attention, what have you, something else came up, right? And obviously the big one in the winter, but it's always something is what it's been. Pat Forty's article about the baseball uh, gambling scandal was the dumbest thing ever because this guy 
that is friends with Bohannon, he walks into the the was an MGM sports book in Great Great American Ballpark or whatever, uh, and he walks up and tries to make a hundred thousand dollar bet on the Friday LSU Alabama baseball game, and they're like, "We haven't got anything remotely close to this. We're getting no traffic on this game." And the guy's like, no, 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 you need to let me do this because I have inside information. <laughs> Which is like, what? Oh, How are you this dumb? If and it wasn't like, sneaky and suspicious to begin phone, with. On this uh, secret app signal that I, uh, this, this encrypted text message app, I have Brad Bohannon texting me inside information before it goes public. And it's like, you're... That's like going and admitting to every crime as you're doing it directly to the police. But I don't know why they got caught. I don't understand what they did wrong. <laughs> it's so bad. It is so bad. And and again, it will be brought up next week in Nashville to Nick Saban. It, whatever it will be in some capacity of all of the problems, you you could bet on it because you may have insider information. No, I'm just kidding. Um, something will be brought up about it uh, in any of the instances. And again, Saban will answer it some way, shape, or form in the way that he does. He will shut it down, and that will pretty much be the end of that. I've just the comparison is like what you you take your inside information to the SEC in, and you're like. I'm buying this stock because I have inside information and you should let me do it. <laughs> it's going to skyrocket. Like, How do you know? This I was is told. illegal. You're, you're telling us the illegal thing straight to our face. And we, uh, we, we police yeah. that. Pretty much. Pretty much. Well, we'll see how it goes next week with Saban and Alabama's problems, Georgia and their problems with Kirby Smart. We'll talk some more coming up later with Chris Gordy, host of Locked on SEC, and tomorrow as we preview SEC Media Days as well. But when we come back, want to talk about Carter's favorite storyline right now and who is going to be the next head coach at Northwestern and why two popular, maybe unpopular names, known names? I don't know how to phrase that. Two names have popped up for Northwestern that Auburn fans will know very very well we'll talk about that when we come back you are on the line on espn 1067 call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 let's talk a little northwestern football huh we don't do that enough on this program we'll talk some northwestern as it is the for unfortunate reasons it's the most talked about story in college athletics right now, but I want to go the different direction with Pat Fitzgerald being fired, all of the um, claimed things and the allegations, all of that stuff that's happening, right? We've given our thoughts on that, and, and, and until we learn, I said, the facts and who knew and who didn't, until we learn those two things, there's not a whole lot more we can say on it, right? But what we do know is that Northwestern needs a football coach, and yep. there have been some oh names that have popped up for possibilities. And Carter, aren't you excited about who the candidates may or may not be to coach your beloved Northwestern team? We talked about this yesterday, or maybe it was two days ago, uh, and some of the names being thrown around. I don't see a lot of these names, like Dave Clawson. I don't see guys like that leaving their current setup. I mean, Dave Clawson has 
goodwill the size of Mount Everest at Wake Forest because he's got to be their best coach they've ever had, right? I mean, I can't think of anybody who's been better, at least in my lifetime, as a coach at Wake Forest. Uh, some of those other ones, I mean, as you look through it, uh, Tommy Reese, is he really got... If you're a young up-and-comer, even a coordinator like Tommy Reese, who's, what, 27, 28, something ridicul- ridiculously young, why, why would you go take the risk of Northwestern? Right. Now, if you're this other guy, um, sure, because nobody's going to hire you anyway. Well, who, who do you talk about? <laughs> you want to talk about an all-time horrific, awful fit? I, I posed this question to some friends the other day. Which would be a worse fit? Yeah, I was a part of for, this. For Northwestern football, Coach O or Brian Harson? As crazy as it sounds, Coach O would be a worse fit for Northwestern. I disagree somehow, actually. What? I think I think Brian Harson, if you if you go to Northwestern, you better be able to like recruit to the absolute ceiling and we know that man can't do it you're telling me five star no offense you're telling me five stars aren't flooding to chicago to go play northwestern football i mean what the highest rated recruit ever was peter skaronsky who was a top 80 player i think but uh yeah no you don't get elite talent at northwestern um northwestern doesn't recruit itself not quite not quite but uh i think that Brian Harson with, I mean, if we're gonna talk about it, like even the COVID vaccine stuff with with Brian Harson, let me tell you, Northwestern is as far away from him on that topic as possible. Like, yeah, they don't match up in terms of ideology at all, and so the fit would be weird. Coach O, I mean, at least you. Recruit better than you probably have in a while. Would you though? Because yeah, what yeah, can co- yeah, who in the world maybe? can Coach O recruit to Ch- in Chicago, Illinois? Brother, I don't know. But <laughs> it, 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 like at I least think in he's Lu- somehow a better coach, <laughs> a better fit than Brian Harson. At least in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, he at least fit, and you were like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But, My, the, but let me get a. Uh, <laughs> Those those uh, those other names it. that were mentioned oh, no. for uh, the Northwestern job in that athletic article that we looked at, Mike Kafka, the offense coordinator for the New York Giants. Why would he, he's not leaving that job right now? He's going to be an NFL head coach here soon. Well, that's the problem we ran into was we struggled to find anybody big time why that would, would leave Matt, their current position to take a risk at Northwestern. Why would Matt Campbell? Because that's another name at Iowa State. Why would he leave Iowa State where he's got Iowa State at a level that they've never been? They're coming off a bad year, yes. But Texas and Oklahoma are leaving the conference. They're going to be a top half it's team in that conference. To, I'm not sure about that. I think they, Could can, be. they can dip into that top half more often. Could be. But I think like the Big 12, to an extent, is there for the taking for everybody that's left and these new schools that walked in there. Mike Elko at Duke. I why would you leave a nine win team with a stud quarterback? By the way, especially 
because you're going into a year where you're going to beat Clemson in week one. You're talking about that so much. You know it's not going to happen now, oh, right? <laughs> it's happening. It is 100% happening. But you have all these SEC ties. You've coached in the SEC. You've done. You've been in the Big Ten, the ACC. You can upgrade from Duke and get something besides Northwestern. Northwestern right now is not an upgrade over Duke. Northwestern's not an upgrade for most. And I think what we came to was... I think Willie Fritz, I thought that was a weird one. Yeah, well, and I think what we older, came to like, he's was... He's got one shot at this. It has to be almost a coordinator or a, a even a, an FCS Chris, Chris coach, maybe. Chris at Eastern Michigan was one that I thought had a chance. But Sharon Moore at Michigan, the offense coordinator, again, no chance. this is going to be the best Michigan team they've had under Harbaugh. It'll be the best offense They've had under Harbaugh. Yeah. Ride this season out for a better job than Northwestern right now. I just think it's really funny that Coach Ed Orgeron... Paul Chris makes sense. ...jumped into this. Paul Chris makes a lot of sense because I don't know how much of a hot commodity he is, but he is a proven coach. He was 67-26 and In that conference. Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to get talent to, to Wisconsin, and he at least... That team could get really big and run the daggum football... Right now, Northwestern, I don't know what they can do. Well, the problem, too, is, Carter, that whoever but takes Coach over... Coach a joke. Sorry. He's a joke, or he's a joke for the Northwestern job? Both. <laughs> I just thought I it think, was really funny he popped into, the, the, into this conversation. Yeah, well, I just loved... what well, He volunteered himself. He, he reached out to people, and he's like, hey... I'll take that job right now. But then it came out there. He said, well, I'm actually probably done coaching. Well, yeah, because he came across as the most desperate person possible. Yeah, and that's the problem is whoever takes that job, I mean, it's a. do you borderline call it a, a dead-end job to take the head coaching job at Northwestern right now? Right now, I mean, yeah, you, you've got faculty as bad as that is to say. trying to stop the building of the new football stadium. So any progress they were making has been halted. Yeah, like... All the all the NIL money right now better be going to basketball because Chris Collins is a daggum stud as a basketball coach. He's got Boo Booey, Brooks Barnheiser. That team's going to be good this next year. Uh, and I think they did a pretty good job addressing their their what they lost. If Chase Audis had come back, I mean, we're talking about like a top four seed, yeah, top four seed line in the NCAA tournament and a team that could win the Big Ten straight up. Uh, but is the only person right now that's available that can take Northwestern back to any semblance of, of success. Is it Urban Meyer? Oh, boy. Oh is it boy. Urban Meyer? Like, We've gotten to that Urban point Meyer's, in the conversation. Urban Meyer's not going to take that job. <laughs> but I think Urban point. Meyer might be the only person that I, that I would look at and be like, Weirdly enough, I think he could do it, kind of. He would be one of the few that could actually recruit. And he would not be recruiting to Northwestern. He would be recruiting to himself. Like, come and play for me. Northwestern, sure, that's let the, me, that's the name on the on the jersey. The meltdown, if, if <laughs> Coach O or Brian Harson or Urban Meyer get hired at Northwestern, the meltdown that that school <laughs> and the faculty there and the members of the journalism media... It'll be epic. It'll it would be, be awesome. They would have a field day. It would be so oh much Oh, my gosh. What a disaster. <laughs> what a disaster that it is right now. The carousel 
of Northwestern head coaches. Well, we'll talk some market in 2023. There you go. We'll talk SEC media days and SEC news with Chris Gordy when we come back. Sports Leader. 30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins, and we are joined by Chris Gordy, host of Locked on SEC. Joins us every Thursday at 3.30. It has been a couple of weeks, though. Took off a couple, uh, but back on the show now. Chris, hope you're doing well, and I'm sure you're gearing up for what should be a busy week in Nashville with SEC Media Days. We got the list the other day of all the attendees heading to uh, in the media days, and you know it's a pretty good list overall. So um, I'm excited, excited to get out there. And as we know, uh, SEC Media Days always kind of marks the unofficial uh, kickoff to the uh, college football season because then we'll start getting into practices and we'll be full on into it the next, these next couple of weeks. Well, Chris, of course, you cover the entire Southeastern Conference with your podcast, Locked on SEC. And so I open the floor to you on what you are wanting to hear next week and then what you're expecting to hear from all of the SEC head coaches and some of the big quarterback names that are going to be in Nashville. Well, you know, I guess, like, here's my my stock answer was going to be, oh, I want to hear some of the big storylines, you know, like Alabama – you know, not knowing who their quarterback is and all this. But I'll be frank, after watching the Big 12 coverage the last two days and all the barbs thrown at Texas and Oklahoma and how the Big 12 is great, and Gus Malzahn gets up there today and says, I mean, clearly the Big 12 is the deepest and best conference in the world. Like, just stop. I'm sick of all this crap. <laughs> and it's time, for, it's time for the SEC to come out swinging next week. I love that Brett Yormark gets up there yesterday, the commissioner of the Big 12, and just highlighted how great their conference is and all this. And you know what the SEC does today? They go and give Greg Sankey a contract extension. Big old slap in the face of Brett Yormark and go, really, Brett? You think you got the best conference? Yeah, they By did. the way, we just paid our man just paid our man Sankey even more money for the great job he's doing where all we do is win championships. LSU just won the baseball championship. Georgia won in football. Uh, LSU women's basketball. I mean, we just keep rolling in championships. I don't know what the Big 12's got going on, but it ain't winning championships. So, uh, you know, it's just been a, it's been a lot of fun watching all the barbs thrown out there. I mean, you got freaking uh, uh, Sonny Dykes comes out and says, "Oh, I mean, what's Missouri done since they got to the SEC? It seemed like they had a lot more success in the Big 12." Yeah, the, the Missouri played in two Big 12 championships when they were in the Big 12. They played in two SEC championships. It's equal success in their A&M's first record, two years in the league, too. Exactly, A and M since they've come to the SEC, far better winning percentage in the SEC than they had in the Big 12. So. They're just trying to create all these stupid narratives. Mike Gundy got up there today and was like, I don't even want to talk about Oklahoma. We're not. Bedlam's dead. They, they left the Big oh 12. God. Bedlam's dead. And I'm like, you know what? In Texas, nothing will warm my heart more. I, I don't know. I, I think Texas you know, has a great chance. I don't know about Oklahoma. But nothing will warm my heart more than Texas to play Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship yeah. of the last year they're there and have Brett Yormark have to hand the trophy to Steve Sarkeesian and go, Congrats on winning the Big Twelve, and you guys aren't even members anymore. I think that would be great. What if what if they have like a handshake of agreement that they just leave the Big Twelve trophy on the field and just walk off? That'd be I feel like that'd oh, be yeah. awesome. But oh yeah, and then go go. We don't even care about this anymore. Like that, <laughs> that that would be that would be great. I just like I don't want to sit here taking up for Texas and Oklahoma because I got a feeling in the next year we're going to be ripping on them when they come to the conference with their uh, you know high and mighty attitudes. 
But right now, we got to stick up for them. They're they're kind of oh, dangling yeah. out there in that old lesser conference, and uh, all the idiots in that conference are acting like it's the best conference in the in the world. Well, Not Big Twelve. I mean, Chris, with with we know the SEC has been the best conference in football forever. Big Ten's a clear second place. Going into twenty twenty three, you can make an argument that. The Big 12's behind the Pac-12, and I don't. I mean, it's a close battle for me with the ACC. Yeah, I mean, Clemson. Clemson should should still be pretty good. Florida State, you know, I think is going to be really good this year. But in the Big 12, like, I really need Starf to get his stuff together and and run the table and, and go undefeated. It's more than the like slip up and lose to Texas Tech again, or lose to Baylor or Kansas, like. That would really just leave a bad taste in their mouths on the way out the door. But, yeah, look, Texas is their lone t- lottery ticket. Like, TCU's not doing what they did last year again. So, uh, if the Big 12 is going to have any conversation and get in the playoff, it's Texas and that's it. When you look at the uh, – because we know SEC Media Days is next week, what are some of the storylines that you are excited about in the SEC this year for 2023? Besides Greg Sankey just absolutely dogging on the Big 12. <laughs> Well, that's what I'm hoping for. And by the way, Sonny Dykes, you know, taking the shot at Missouri. I hope Eli Drinkwood sticks to the podium and goes, you know what? At least we gave Georgia a better game last year than you guys did at TCU. So uh, yep. I would certainly throw that barb out there. But, no, I mean, look, we, we want to hear a little bit from, you know, uh, obviously Q Freeze. I'm excited to hear him. Um, you know, he's going to be asked some tough questions about, you know, coming back to the SEC, the lessons he's learned. Um, you know, he got some of those questions when he was at his Auburn introductory press conference, but this he's going to get some of the more national, you know, SEC and college football writers asking those questions. So I'll be curious to see what Hugh says. Um, I hope Lane Kiffin throws some more barbs out there, throw some darts at Jimbo Fisher. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I know uh, Jimbo Fisher for a is going to be asked about Bobby Petrino as his OC. And here's the thing, guys. Like, the first person's going to ask a question, and he's going to go, Hey, yeah, uh, we hired Bobby, and he's a great hire, and you know he's going to call the plays, and that's it. I hope somebody else asks a follow up and goes, "Are you sure he's going to call the plays?" Because I think the more people keep harping on it, the more Jimbo's going to just like it's going to set him off. It's going to be like a powder keg, and he's going to explode up there. So, uh, you know, those are just some of the things. Like I'm thinking of like the, the general rooms where all the coaches are speaking. What you know, what what could happen? But certainly want Lane Kiffin to throw some some darts at some of the other head coaches, and then of course it's still going to be the big topics of. NIL and uh, and the transfer portal and every coach has their own idea on how you fix it. So uh, I think those topics aren't going anywhere either. But uh, you know, those are kind of the general storylines. Obviously, I think Kirby Smart. Look, football wise, he's in great shape once again. But what is the deal with all the dudes speeding and getting pulled over and arrested and tickets and all this? Like he's got to come up with some kind of explanation there. And I know he's gonna. He's going to be asked several times. I mean, God, you know, let's just call it what it is. January, a player die because of, uh, you know, driving recklessly. So it certainly is something that they need to address there at Georgia. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, Kirby should just be getting patted on the back all week about what a great job you're doing going for a three-peat, but he needs to clean it up off the field first. I'm glad you bring that up because we've had multiple of our listeners and callers throughout the week ask us those exact questions of what is it going to be like for Kirby Smart at SEC Media Days? What's it going to be for Nick Saban at SEC Media Days? Who both of those coaches, top you know, top two or three coaches in this conference, are 
more than likely going to be asked questions that don't have anything to do with the upcoming 2023 season but all of their off-field stuff and you put it exactly like we did instead of Georgia being paraded around once again at SEC media days for now being back-to-back national champs they're going to have to answer question after question after question about discipline off the field. Yeah, and I don't know why this is so hard for Kirby. There was a piece in ESPN earlier this week that said uh, yeah. he doesn't know what the answer is. You do know what the answer is. You you get pulled over for speeding, you're suspended indefinitely. Like, just make that rule, and I guarantee you're going to start to see some guys driving the speed limit in Athens. I just I don't understand why this is so hard. And I get it, you know, if one of your star players does it, but uh, newsflash, George is about six deep at every position. They can afford to have a guy suspended or two and be just fine. Like, one of their star players gets suspended for a game, they'll be fine. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's a little odd because Kirby came from the Saban school of, you know, disciplinary and, you know, always laying down the hammer and setting the expectation for players and no-nonsense attitude and that sort of thing. I'm a little surprised he's lacking when it comes to this department. Chris Gordy, host of Locked on SEC, joining us here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, as he does every single week. Uh, Chris, a lot of big names that are going to be in, in Nashville next week. Player-wise, uh, we always know the quarterbacks are the uh, the sexy position that get a lot of media of attention, and you're going to see some of the biggest ones of the conference in Nashville next week. Which players catch your eye, and uh, which ones possibly showing up on Locked on SEC? Well, it's not the Auburn guys. I was I was a little underwhelmed with uh, with the list they brought, but you know it is what it is. They can't bring Peyton Thorne. I get it. You like, you got to act like Robbie Ashford's still fighting for this job. But if I'm Hugh, I just would have I, I would have bit the bullet and just brought Peyton Thorne. Like who cares? But um, I understand. I get why they're doing it. But that, to me, the the storyline was you know we have some pretty good quarterbacks in this league, and, and I'm happy to see a lot of them are coming from Joe Milton at Tennessee to. Will Rogers, Mississippi State, Jay Daniels at LSU. Um, yeah, I had I read an article last week that that basically was saying like, oh, the SEC quarterback play is going to take a step back and losing Will Levis and Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young. And I and I just I, I turned my nose up on. It. I said I just don't think that's the case. And when you talk about Will Rogers, Jaden Daniels, and KJ Jefferson, three of the most productive quarterbacks, you know, last year. Maybe Jaden doesn't have the the huge numbers, but obviously winning the SEC West, beating Alabama last year, and year one in the conference is huge. Uh, KJ Jefferson's had, you know, two really good years at Arkansas. Will Rogers has had three phenomenal years at Mississippi State, uh, statistic-wise. Obviously, they're going away from the air raid with Mike Leach gone. But, um, you know, I just think that, that this is a really, really good crop. You know, the question is, will Joe Milton, can he pick up where Hendon Hooker left off? A lot of people are expecting him to do that. We had Devin Leary on the show uh, two weeks ago, the new Kentucky quarterback from NC State. I've had a couple people tell me, he might be better than Will Levis this year, statistics-wise, you know, statistically speaking, and, and wins. Um, so I just I think the SEC is in a really good spot with their quarterbacks, and uh, and I just I disagree with any thought that oh the SEC is going to take a big step back this year in quarterback production. I just think you know Peyton Thorne, when and if and when he's eventually named as the guy at Auburn, I think he's going to have a really really good year statistically. So I I just think top to bottom. Uh, quarterback play is going to be really good. I'm excited at least a lot of these schools are bringing their quarterbacks to Nashville next week. If you had to pick one of those quarterbacks to kind of be the breakout star, I mean, we we know what Jefferson could do. We know what Daniels can do. Uh, I guess we've seen the flashes of Rattler. We've seen Leary, what he did in that one insane year at NC State. But if you had to pick somebody from the rest of that that group to be the breakout quarterback in the SEC this year, who would it be? 
Well, like if I was buying stock in somebody, I, you know, Devin Leary, I think is really, I think we're underestimating what he's going to do. I had somebody who covered him in NC State said, because, you know, one of the gripes I heard is, oh, well, Kentucky didn't have an O-line. Well, they fixed a lot of those issues this offseason. They, they brought in some guys to the transfer portal. But the guy I know who covers NC State said, yeah, that year he put up all those numbers at NC State two years ago, he had a bad offensive line that year. So he knows what he's doing with a bad offensive line. I think, I think he's going to be really good, especially with Liam Cohen coming back, who, you know, had Will Levis have that breakout year two years ago when he was his OC. But Devin Leary would be the guy. But Alex Scarborough told me at, at the Manning Passing Academy two weeks ago that, we were watching Joe Milton together just fling the ball around the field. He said, this kid is the most polarizing quarterback in the SEC this year because if everything comes together for him, he is going to have one of those meteoric risers where we could be talking about Joe Milton in the first round of the NFL draft come April if everything clicks. He's got the arm talent. We know he can fling it 50 yards just flicking the wrist. He's got some good weapons back at wide receiver in Tennessee. It's just a matter of, can you know, does the hypo system translate from quarterback to quarterback? And I don't have any reason to think that it won't, but Joe Milton is certainly that guy that could have that meteoric rise. But let's not sleep on some other guy. You know, I had somebody tell me, if Jalen Milrow ends up winning the Alabama job, like, he could take the conference by storm. We're all discounting Alabama going, oh, yeah, they're, they don't even know who their quarterback is. Yeah, it's because they got three really good ones. And whenever they settle on one, when that guy is named the, the guy – and he hits the field with all the talent around him, he could take the SEC by storm. So there's just so many different guys out there, but I'm sticking with my Heisman, uh, my Heisman betting slip that I got in Vegas a couple weeks ago, plus 3,000 odds on Carson Beck at Georgia. Oh, wow. I just, think, I just think the stage is set for him. If Georgia's undefeated, which they should be because that schedule is so weak, uh, Carson Beck will be a big reason why Georgia's undefeated and putting up big numbers, and I think uh, he'll be right there in the Heisman conversation. That was a friendly wager, right, Chris? Uh, no, it was real money I put, I put out there. But, uh, well, but you know, look, it's it, it's it, like when you think of Georgia, like obviously they, they go running back by committee. I think Brock Bowers is going to have a big year, but they're not going to give a Heisman to a tight end. And there's no wide receiver that stands out above all the rest. And, and there's no defensive player that jumps out, you know, above all the rest. So, like, if Georgia's undefeated, who's their Heisman candidate? It's going to be Carson Beck. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a fair argument. I can't can't disagree with that. Uh, Chris, you'll be in Nashville next week for SEC Media Days, host of Locked on SEC. You do such a fantastic job. Can you give our listeners any uh, insight on what's coming up on your show next week when it's just going to be filled with content? Yeah, we, we've talked to a bunch of schools. They've, uh, they've told us they're going to get us some players on, so We'll have some player interviews. We'll have our annual visit with, with Greg Sankey. You know, a lot of the same guys you guys are going to be interviewing as well, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, I try to do take a little bit of a different angle and just kind of get to know these players a little bit personally because that's what makes it so fun when you see them on the football field come the fall. You know, you, you can find that they're guys that are easy to root for. Like Hendon Hooker was, was one of my favorite guys to, to interview the last couple of years, just smart and ahead of his time and uh you know we got some some great interviews that we've had up the last couple weeks from the manning passing academy our interview with Jaden daniels is up there today for locked on sec so looking forward to it guys and uh, hopefully see you guys out there yeah well we will uh try to get you to stop by the table i'll be there uh representing our show carter will be uh here manning down the fort at the station and so uh, we'll try to find some time and let you stop by and we'll have you on the show yeah uh carter we gotta get you like a t-shirt or something sorry you can't make the trip <laughs> Appreciate that, Chris. Well, Chris, hey, before you go, tell everybody where they can find you and your podcast, man. Yeah, just locked on SEC wherever you get your podcast. Like I said, the uh, we've been kind of doing uh, a couple of previews from around the conference. We, we did Auburn last week. We did Ole Miss and LSU this week. And uh, 
mixed in with some of those interviews we have with uh, Joe Milton, Will Rogers, Devin Leary, and uh, Jaden Daniels out at the Manning Academy. And uh, again, hoping to catch up with some of those guys again next week. Well, sounds good, man. I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you on Monday in Nashville. All right, see you there. Yep, Chris Gordy, host of Locked On SEC, joins us every Thursday at three thirty. He will be on the show at some point next week to talk about everything that happens at SEC Media Days in Nashville. We'll talk about that. Wrap up the Thursday edition of On the Line when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN one zero six seven. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Couple of more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to Chris Gordy, host of Locked On SEC, for joining us, our usual 3.30 Thursday guest. We'll talk to him next week when we uh, are at SEC Media Days. Reminder that here on ESPN 106.7, we will have seven straight hours of coverage from SEC Media Days Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, Doug will be there. Doug Amos, of course, from the Max Roundtable from 11 to 2. I will be there uh, from 2 to 4. And then Dan Peck will be there for the drive from four to six, and so uh, if you if you're wanting any SEC Media Days coverage, there's nowhere else to be than ESPN 106.7, ESPNAU.com, and the ESPN 106.7 app. Scheduling guests as we speak, getting trying to get some players, maybe some coaches. We'll have plenty of audio. Should be a fantastic week of coverage, uh, and so again, be sure that you tune in for that. Just. Turn on ESPN 106.7 and don't turn it all day long next week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Of course, Auburn is on Tuesday, uh, so we'll have even more coverage when it comes to uh, Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers. But, hey, big thank you to Chris Gordy again of Locked On SEC and Daryl Dapperich of Locked On Auburn earlier in the show, both of them giving us their time and joining us, talking about a lot of interesting conversations. So if you missed that or any else of the show, just go to ESPNAU.com or search on the line wherever you get your podcasts. So it'll be commercial-free right after the show. But, uh, man, what about Chris coming in and just being fired up about the Big 12 and basically giving them the middle finger? They're going to man. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be – it really is going to be – They think there's something and they're not. Texas, maybe Kansas State, and nothing. It's Texas's conference to lose. Like, how, how much better is Oklahoma actually going to be? I'm putting my hands up and shrugging because I don't know. I think they're going to be better, but like... <laughs> Not by much. They aren't going to be good enough to overcome the 49 nothing loss to Texas this past year. Don't you ever sleep on Gus Malzahn and UCF. They're going to come... They're going to be sneaky good, by They the are going to be sneaky good, but they're not going to win the conference. On them. I, they're my, not going to win the conference. My Oklahoma buddies, one of them sent me his his list of how he thinks it's going to stack up. He had UCF like 11th. I was like, brother, they're going to be way better than that. Yeah, they're going to be better than that, but they're not going to be the saving grace for the Big 12. They'll be This year, they'll be 5th or 6th. And then they are primed to win... Texas and Oklahoma go out the door, then you might see them make a run. Oh boy. We're going to see the years of Gus Malzahn and UCF compete in the Big 12, win it once every three or four years, make it into the expanded college football playoff, and run into and the juggernaut smacked. of an SEC team or Ohio State and of get Michigan. Smacked. <laughs> and, and lose by 50 awesome. points. 
every single time. That's, when, that's what we're walking every, into. Every defense in the SEC knows that there's like four routes in that offense. And so, and if it worked once, it could work again. That's the Gus Malzahn uh, go-to, it seems like. Do you think he's going to recruit the offensive line better in the Big 12 out of the state of Florida? Mm, I don't know. He's got to, right? Can't you, be worse. You would think. You think he just changed? <laughs> he he's said, probably yeah. got a better chance to go land a, uh, somebody from Kansas, like like Braden Smith in the Big 12 that he did in the American. Yeah, maybe. Or <laughs> maybe to where they'll at least play somewhere near a hometown kid of Kansas. Um, I really think that, that UCF is somewhat positioned. I don't think Gus is the coach that can take them to the ceiling. He generates but excitement down there. Though. I think that they are in a situation where they might be sneaky dominant in the new Big 12. They very well could, but they're not going to be, be anywhere like, near it the could SEC. Be TCU and UCF, it could kind of be their conference. I think Cincinnati could get there. I don't think they have the right coach, though. I just think facilities and support, UCF's got a. A lot of things going for it. Yeah, they do. Well, hey, we'll talk more SEC Media Days tomorrow on the Friday edition of On the Line. Plus, we're drafting our Auburn football team. We'll have fun with Jack Cudden. Two to four. That's right. Hey, until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.